Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais from a sweltering Ontario, Canada. We are having quite a good period of summer over the last few days, so that's that's a nice change to our normal wintry weather. Uh, as always, we have interesting guests, but first I must tell you this is episode 183 of The Yacking Show. And this is the show to enlighten you, to enable you, and to entertain you, uh, to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in, and the world is certainly changing rather rapidly at the moment. As I mentioned, we have interesting guests and today is no exception. But Kathleen does a much better job of introducing guests than I do. So let's first welcome Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. We'd love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. His name is Carl Meyer. Hello, Carl. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Peter. Excited to be here. Excellent. Now, Carl, you are coming to us from Houston, Texas. I'm sure it's it's quite... Um, toasty warm there right now. <laughs> but you are the founder of Abundan, which is a company that helps businesses build their management operating systems so that they can double their company's sales within three years. And we'll be interested in learning more about that in just a few minutes. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to develop a passion for helping entrepreneurs grow their business? Absolutely. I've always been interested in organization and business has been a great way to understand how people relate and organize themselves and started in the corporate world, but my family twisted my arm to join the family business and got a whole new perspective on life uh, that way. Um, Saw some of the opportunities and challenges that my family's business went through and Worked with that company for a number of years before moving on and doing some entrepreneurial ventures myself and later helping being part of management teams with a number of other companies and just, you know, getting to see kind of the human impact of these decisions, the employees, the owners, their families, and, you know, the successes and in some cases, the failures is, it's very motivating how you can have an impact on people and, and see that impact. Right, right. And I, I just out of curiosity, what was the family's business? It was an industrial distribution business. So industrial exciting products like valves and pipes and things mm-hmm. like that. Oh, interesting. Now, what is your typical client? You know, a typical client will be a company with, um, you know, it could be a couple million, five million, ten million of revenue that has some sort of challenge growing is usually the, the symptom that we see. You know, hey, I, I grew to this point, I grew to three million revenue, and then it just stopped. I've been flat for several years. And what's going on? I can't really put my finger on it. What used to work just doesn't seem to work anymore. That's the most common situation I run into. And my job is to kind of go in and do a triage. Let's, okay, let's see what the, you know, there may be a number of issues. Let's focus on one or two that are key issues that can really move the needle, 
make things easier, less stressful, and hopefully eventually grow the sales, of the, enable the growth of the sales of the company. And I, I just want to throw this in again. Um, is there, have you seen a common thread among companies when they, when they come to you and they've plateaued and they haven't been able to, to, to increase their sales? Is there usually something in common with these companies? Usually there's, um, there are, you know, one or two things that are, are common across most of the companies. And one of them is really about delegation. Uh-huh. You know, if you've, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, over half of companies are started by salespeople and another big chunk by product people. And those are really important skills for starting a company, growing a company, but you get to a certain point and it's no longer about you selling or you doing product stuff. It's now about you managing an organization. And if you haven't been trained, you don't have the experience doing that. Maybe you run into a couple bumps along the road. Right. Oh, interesting uh, point. Yeah. Delegation. Yeah, Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this and, and with the way you developed it, you developed your own framework, which you call the abundant framework business operating system. So is this a sort of compilation of what you've been talking about so far? And can you expand on that? How does that framework, how does that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you are going to, you know, so delegation, we're just talking about, that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the instinct is I'm going to tell you to do something and I'm going to expect that it gets done. Well, that's a great theory. doesn't always work that simply. And what, what we found, you know, my experience in working with many companies over the years is there's a number of different pieces that really need to be in place to have a very, very high likelihood of when you tell somebody can work on this, that it actually gets done. And so that's what the abundant framework and the abundant framework has put, been put into software that we help companies implement. And it's things like, let's have a short plan so that we can explain to our team where we're going. Sounds good. But to be clear, this isn't about micromanaging at all. This is just a framework. We hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, yeah. And micromanaging, you know, is something we're, we're trying to discourage. We're trying to pull people that CEO out of the day to day, you know, instead of, you know, when you've got a handful of people working for you, you should be in the details. You should know exactly what's going on in the company. When you've got 25 people, if you're trying to do that, you're just good luck. You know, that's a lot of balls to keep up in the air at, the, at one time. So what we're trying to do in that situation is pull them out of the details. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to hand things off, you know, if I'm going to say, you know, tell my teenager to go drive the car, well, I might want to tell them where we're going. So that's the one page business plan. And, you know, and then let's establish roles. Okay, I'm going to sit over in the passenger seat and, you know, not scream at you every time that, you know, you change lanes. And so let's have an organizational chart. So we've got easy drag and drop organizational charts to help adapt as the organization and management meetings. So we have ways to identify opportunities and challenges and have productive discussions about those supervisor tools so that supervisors you know 
when you're promoted to supervisor, how do you know what to do? Well, let's give them tools so they can show them what they're supposed to do. And then we can keep track of, you know, are they actually doing it? Mm -hmm. And processes, some uh, learning management so we can train people effectively. So those are trying to give you a feel for the scope of the, the tools. And then but we, uh, we help them implement those. So it's not just handing you a book or handing you the software. Let's help you build the habits and make it fit to your team, not make your company fit into our system. How do we make our system fit right. into your company? Right, right. Mm -hmm. So uh, follow on, which just occurred to me while you were talking. Um, I, I've had a corporate background, a farming background, and my own business that was not farming, but spent a lot of time in farming over in Africa. And one of the phenomenon, phenomenon, the, one of the phenomena, say, that we noticed was um, the first generation could build a really successful farm. And farms had a lot of labor in Africa compared to here. We, I employed 180 people, for instance. So the first generation builds a really successful farm, grows it, grows it, grows it, retires or dies, hands it over to the sun. And, and at a rough estimate, 50% of that second generation people would take it further. The other 50% would drive it into the ground within five or 10 years. So are you called in to fix those type of problems in, in small and medium-sized businesses in the corporate world? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I remember one situation with a... Uh, they were selling trucks, large trucks. And like you say, the founder, you know, started it from nothing and built it up. And by the time it got to, you know, the point he was ready to retire, the son had been in the business for a number of years, but the owner had grown and just had this sixth sense. He'd been through it so many times that he could just say, oh, we need to work on collections. We need to, because he just had a feeling for what everything had He'd been doing it for 30 years. The son, on the other hand, you know, had been given roles and projects, but really just didn't have that, you know, he hadn't built it up from nothing. And so what he needed was more processes and reports so that he could manage this larger organization. But the son, you know, walked in, had never been exposed to that type of background. The father had never, you know, operated that way. And yes, three years later, the father had been off, you know, enjoying life. The son had been working really hard, but called the father and said, hey, uh, the bank's calling and we've got a big problem here. Father had to pledge all of his real estate just to keep the company going, had to come back in and start working again and digging it out. You know, we helped him dig out. But um, yeah, very stressful situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we have definitely seen that type of situation. Oh my. Interesting. So, so Carl, I think you've answered this in part. And, and my next question is on your website, you do mention the Abundant Management Toolbox software. So can mm -hmm. you give us a little bit more details as, as to what that is exactly? Right, right. And so the, the software puts into an online software as a service, get to it through your, through a website, the um, tools like the one page business plan, the drag and drop board charts, the structured management meetings, the supervisor tools and training processes, and the learning management system. 
So those tools are the ones that we use. And so just like you'd have a paper org chart, now we've got an easier to use and shareable um, org chart online. And then our consulting is about implementing it. it. It's helping you use these tools in a way that fit the way your company operates so that it can be most effective at helping you keep control of the company, delegate effectively and scale to the next level. And, you know, when I say we, we help companies to double their sales, we've seen that many times. I've seen many companies that are able to bring in more sales, but just not actually able to handle those more, you know, those mm -hmm. sales. You know, if you don't follow up quickly enough, well, you, you lose, you know, bids, you don't win the bid because you didn't quote soon enough. Or if you get the order, but, you know, you don't deliver on time, you don't get the next order. And these are the types of things that we really focus on. And so, you know, we're not the super sales experts. We work with other people who are super sales experts to help these companies, but we want to try and use our software and our services to help them implement it so they can grow the company to the next level. Okay. So, Cole, we, we're heading into, in, we're, in, we're in inflationary times and it looks like it's going to get worse. So what would your advice to business owners be to uh, consolidate or to go for growth? Or, or is that too general a question? Does that depend on the industry? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors. You know, the, uh, you know, inflation is something we're seeing. I think the labor force, you know, we've got all these boomers retiring, big generation, and we've got the young, you know, 18 to 22 year olds coming in. And the numbers that I'm seeing is that we've got a 400,000 worker shortfall, you know, a decrease in the size of the workforce of 400,000 people this year. Wow. Slightly more next year and next year for like the whole next decade. So that I think is one thing driving the inflation. There's certainly other factors. It's not so simple to point to one thing, but that impact, you know, is going to have a lot of, like you say, Peter, different industries are going to see it play out mm -hmm. differently. So, um, you know, the uh, there's some situations, maybe a fast food restaurant has ways to, you know, automate or, you know, be more effective with fewer people and maybe certain manufacturing situations are going to be like that. Whereas a home healthcare company may have a lot more difficulty automating or substituting away. And I, I do think different parts of the country are likely to get impacted differently. You know, the Sun Belt I think is still growing some of the, in the U S um, you know, um, some other parts of the U S maybe a little bit less so, and different parts of the world, you know, are impacted very differently. Mm -hmm. You know, the numbers that I was quoting on the uh, workforce were just the U.S. alone. Sure, no, that's right. But it's very similar here, and and we have an interesting situation here in that uh, statistics say we lost forty thousand jobs in June and another thirty thousand in July. Might have been the other way around. I'm not sure. But Seventy thousand over two months, and and we are a tenth of the population of the of of your country. However, when I drive around, I see we're hiring signs all over the place. 
mainly in fast food, as you mentioned, Tim Hortons, our iconic coffee chain, right? Um, but even uh, the Toyota dealer up the road from me, when I go into town, he's looking for a mechanic and other technicians. Uh, people I know that with plumbing business say, I can't get plumbers. Another guy can't get electricians. And I'm thinking, we've lost 70,000 jobs in two months, and these guys can't find people to work for them. What's going on? You know? <laughs> right, right. I, uh, the world is in a, in a big shift, I think. You know, yeah. the, mm -hmm. the demographics we're seeing, I mean, you know, UK, much of Europe is impacted very significantly. Japan saw it 25 years ago and continues to see the impact today. Um, you know, so inflation... I think supply chains with the last couple of years with COVID have shifted dramatically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, I, we're bringing a lot of manufacturing, you know, back from you know perhaps East Asia where it used to be. So, um, you know, if you're if you're in certain industries, I do think there are growth opportunities. You know, you have Please. to be diligent about keeping your pricing, you know, protecting your margins with the inflation. Uh, which is not something that most of us are useful used to um, at this point. Peter, you know, you may uh, recall back in the '80s when inflation was very high. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. different back then, right? Yeah, I know all about high inflation. I I was in uh, Zimbabwe for the, my last time in Africa, so we saw inflation in the in the millions of percent we we know the effects of inflation kathleen you wanted to ask Carl something else well you know over the last couple of years with with uh, lockdowns and what have you could it be that there's a lot of people out there also that have reevaluated what is important in their lives and you know things that uh they were forced to do during the lockdown was to work from home and once they did that, they realized, gee, I really like that. I, I really like the flexibility of, of, have, of working from home. Are you noticing these types of changes working with the companies that you work with? That that is a challenge that they're having to overcome. People are, don't want to come into the office anymore. They, they want that flexibility. Oh, absolutely. I had lunch with a gentleman who, he works for a larger organization and uh, he was saying, you know, he's like, I go into the office maybe once a week and I like not having to commute. I like being able to spend more time with my family. So, you know, absolutely. And it's a mindset, mindset shift for a lot of the companies, the smaller companies, they're like, hadn't even thought about this till a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah that's a big deal and you know with the kind of shrinking workforce there's mm -hmm. kind of more negotiating power for the workers so you know you better adapt or somebody else is gonna hire those workers absolutely right. so so what sets abundant abundant pardon me apart from other business consultants right the I think the breadth of what we're uh, bringing to the table, you know, we're, we're bringing, we've got our business operating system, which is the core of building the management um, infrastructure. We also bring very deep financial, very deep systems pieces as well. And so as, and just decades of working with these lower middle market businesses in all aspects. And so, you know, 
every company I've gone into has got a slightly different situation. And, and it's not always the situation that you kind of think when you walk into the first meeting. It's like, well, you know, thought it was a sales problem, but it turns out, you know, it was, you know, a combination of people and financing. And once we solved them, well, now we have some systems problems we have to address. So it's a lot more about how, let's look at all the, you know, the challenges. Again, we'll focus on one or two at a time and then know when to bring in you know, the experts to actually say, okay, let's, you know, when do we put a patch on it and say, okay, we can survive with a patch on that and let's go fix a bigger problem. And so that's kind of the, the what separates us from most organizations that are more specialized. Mm -hmm. So we touched on the effects of the lockdowns a few minutes ago, but in your experience, what, what, <clears throat> what other lessons have businesses learned from the last two years of lockdowns and I mean I know in the states the lockdowns have been much more serious in some states like New York and California than where you are uh, for instance in Texas or in Florida and many other states somewhere between the two extremes so are there other apart from working from home are there other important lessons companies have learned from all this well I think that a number of companies that I've talked to and worked with are seeing the impact of the supply chain disruptions yep. and, and you know, that's still ongoing. I uh, mm -hmm. talked to a company a, a month or so ago, and they were still relying on China for a number of key components in the products that they manufacture. And, you know, China continues to be in lockdown and have all sorts of other, you know, potential issues going on as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that is something that even if Houston and Texas and wherever Florida don't see as much of the direct impact of the lockdown, we definitely see some indirect impact um, as well. Sure, sure. And it, it, it's some impacts that we don't even think about. I was uh, talking to someone yesterday who just bought a new vehicle and he was told, I, I can't remember, I think it was a GM. I'm sure you said GM. He was told by the dealer, it's missing one chip because of the, we all know there's a shortage of chips. So he said, well, well the brake's going to work. I said, no, no, everything works. It had something to do with the Bluetooth connection for his phone. It was a minor, a minor issue. But if you want the car, you're going to have to take it without this chip. And in six months when we get the chip, we'll recall it and we'll put the chip in for you. Take it or leave it. And I mean, I don't know about where you are, but here you find it really difficult to get a car with a chip or without a new vehicle at the moment. I, we, we went for about three months without a microwave after ours broke because you know um it just took a long time to to get one foot in so yep. yeah 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 ah it's some <laughs> amazing ramifications of uh, and we haven't seen all of them yet there's more mm -hmm. coming that we don't even thought about uh, i think interesting stuff um I've got one that I, I, I must ask you what I call my burning question. And you've had a long experience. And we asked this question of all our successful guests, and you're certainly up in that category. So with your experience working with many businesses, and you mentioned you've seen some failures as well, do you think there's one mindset or one habit or one characteristic that sets the successful business owner sort of head and shoulders above those who just remain average or who you know run their businesses into the ground? Is there a single thing or is it more than that? Well, you know, I, I would, you know, generally say that 
there are several things that when put together improves your your likelihood dramatically but if i had to pick one my personal favorite would be adaptability okay yes and, you know the world changes whether we like it or not yeah you know uh, i think darwin had a quote uh you know it's not the strong or it's the adaptable that survives that so. survive absolutely absolutely that's a that's a good one yeah yes, it is actually and i i have one that i always like to ask our guests and can you walk us through the process you would take with a new client so tomorrow i called you up carl i need you know can can you give me a a kind of a detail of what it is that you would go through with me first steps anyways absolutely absolutely typically the first thing we do is an assessment and depending how the introduction comes sometimes it's a little more formal some people you know like the reports other people just want to talk and you know but either way it's really the same assessment process we've got a 70 something point kind of checklist and we're not walking through one by one but the the intent you know that checklist has got nine major areas and we want to kind of evaluate what they think are the priorities among those nine areas and kind of compare that to what we're seeing and have a conversation mm -hmm. about how that matches up you know if, if we're you know if we're seeing similar things is you know are we at close enough that you say yes this makes sense or maybe you need a different resource and maybe we can point you in a different direction. Hmm. Okay. Well, it looks like we're running low on time, Carl. Can you tell our audience how they can contact you? Absolutely. So you can reach me by email at carl at abundant.com. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn or visit our website at abundant.com. Excellent. We will put all that on there. Thank you very much for that, Carl. Thank Good. You. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for being with us today, Carl. We so appreciated having you on the show. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Kathleen, Peter. And once again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>